there's someone in here who's walking in here and they're like trying to hold something by their fingertips and they feel like it's about to fall and they don't know what to do. Um, know that your circumstance, that in you is Christ and Christ is the hope of glory. Amen. And that no matter what your circumstances that are currently facing you, that there is hope in his name. And that in order to do this, like he is calling you, whoever this is, know that he is calling you to, to pursue him in this situation. And that he's not calling for your control because he controls it. And that God is the maker of all things and all things good. And you have to believe that he will turn this situation into good. That it is not by our own strength, but his will through us. And to let it go and to let God take this. Know that he calls you to run the race with perseverance. And that this morning, let us know that in hope, we press on to what Christ has next for us. No matter what obstacles are facing your life or walls that are in front of the way, that are getting in the way, that may be placed there by the enemy to try and stop you or distract you from doing everything that the Lord has called you to do. We break through those barriers in Jesus' name. We run that race with perseverance, Lord. We step away from our flesh and we run to you, God, that we break those walls, Lord, that this morning, whatever you're facing or that obstacle or wall in your life, speak hope to that in Jesus' name name that we break through those walls that if we stopped every time we faced a wall the word of god would be far from the ends of the earth that in your life it may be small it may be financially it may be control it may be a, a form of love or feeling like you you're too weak but not there's hope in his name Amen. that this morning what you're walking through you are not walking through alone and if you think for one second you are turned around or look at the one who's carrying you because he came after you he ran to us and he picked us up and he put us on his shoulders and he said that you don't no longer have to walk I will carry you that this isn't your race that I will do this through you by my strength, by his will and his goodness because of his love for us. Let us know that when it gets too hard, that it's okay to be carried. That it's okay to say, I can't walk this myself. I can't do this on my own. That it's okay to say, God, pick me up and throw me over your shoulders and give it to him. So I say to you who this morning, whoever this is, Whatever your circumstances you're walking through, that there is hope in your circumstance in Jesus' name. And whether you see it or not, he sees it. He sees it to the end and to the fullness of what it will become. So uh, whoever this is, just know that there is hope in your circumstance right now. To let go, this song, this worship song, that you just let it go. And that you give it to him because I promise you, he will turn it into nothing but blessing and nothing but goodness and that there's nothing that flows from him that isn't holy and righteous and pure and if you come with that in the belief this morning just know that whatever you're walking through he will walk it with you you're not alone thank you guys you all have noticed the paintings and what we're doing during worship uh, with our paintings and uh, 
and and it's been a blessing to you. Yeah. Well, um, I'm on the team of, that does it. Uh, Kaylin heads it up. And for those of you all who maybe don't know much about it, we consider ourselves part of the worship team because Holy Spirit gives us messages to put to make to bring to a visual way to absorb them. And I just wanted to share one that was especially meaningful to me, a testimony. And uh, sometimes we come in and we don't even know, most of the time we come in and don't even know what we're going to bring visually. We just ask Holy Spirit and listen to the worship and just begin to receive things from Holy Spirit. And so one morning I came in and I had two or three ideas in my head, two or three visuals in my head that I thought, might work. And I thought, well, how do I put them on canvas? So uh, I'm going to ask them to put, put this one up. As you can see, it's pretty elementary. But when I began to, to paint this, I was putting a structure and, um, and I thought, really, that's, I don't know. And Holy Spirit said, turn it upside down. So I did. And so I began to see a well and then the scripture came to me uh, in Isaiah twelve three, with joy I will draw from the wells of salvation. And uh, it says wells in plural, and actual salvation in Hebrew means Yeshua, of course, Jesus. With joy I will draw from the wells of Jesus. And while I was painting this, the Lord took me back to when I was six years old, and I practically ran down the aisle one Sunday morning in a denominational church we were part of for many years to receive Jesus into my heart. It was a very real, amazing experience and a very joyful one. It's one that the Lord, that Holy Spirit had been drawing me for a while, at that young of age even. He had been drawing me uh, to him. And I knew that I wanted him a part of my life forever. And so I went that morning. I had been thinking about it for a while. And one Sunday morning, I didn't do it. And I thought the only place I could be receive Jesus was uh, during an altar call at my denominational church. And so I couldn't wait till the next week. I was just worrying and stewing about it all week long. So when it came time, I ran down the aisle, literally, to receive Jesus into my heart. And I had tears of joy all day long. In fact, my grandfather said to me, you're supposed to be happy. And I said, I am happy, and I was crying. (laughs) So it was a very real experience for me to be born from above. That's what it means to be born from above. And I've never felt him leave me. And so when I did this painting... The Lord said to me, it's your birthday. Every day, it's your birthday. And so I began to see these, this, these colors coming out of this well and uh, drew the different colors, kind of like birthday balloons. And I didn't even know at the time what, what it was that I was doing. But I began to feel this joy bubbling up inside of me. And Holy Spirit was just taking me back to that day that I received my first love. Hallelujah. And so uh, I just wanted to share that with you all. And I'm, here's what I'm prophesying. 
people are going to come running to him. We're not going to hold back. If you have not received being born from above, then now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time. Don't miss one day without the Savior. Hallelujah. That's it. Pastor Dale started last week on a message about speaking in tongues, the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, which is a gift that our Heavenly Father made available for His sons and daughters that we see in the New Testament. And um, he started last week, and I'm going to continue with this week. Our goal is not to try to cover all the bases of this uh, this gift, everything about tongues. It's, it's very, um, there's a lot to it. It's very controversial. There's a lot of, of, too many Christians make this a divisive issue. If you look on the internet or if you look up stuff on YouTube and everything, you can find all kinds of crazy stuff, good or bad, concerning this gift of speaking in tongues. And so my goal, and, and there's no way I'm going to be able to cover it. I'm not going to even attempt to try to cover every aspect to, to help you understand all the aspects of praying in tongues, speaking in tongues. But I do want to say that if you have any questions, if, if this has piqued your curiosity and, and you have questions about it, uh, please feel free to talk to myself or Pastor Dale uh, about this. You know, we can set up a time we'd love to sit and talk with you to answer any questions, if uh, we can be helpful and beneficial in any way, shape, or form. Because after I share today, I might even raise more questions in your thinking. Um, so your, all your questions will not get answered today, probably. But the, desire, the, the desired goal is for you to realize this gift is for you and for you to get it. That's the desired goal, and that's why we're sharing these things. And if you already have this gift... If you already have your prayer language, then our, our hope is that you're going to be praying in tongues more, building yourself up more. So let's pray. And I would ask you to stand up with me. Put your hand on your heart. The reason why we're doing this is because it, we're just putting ourselves intentionally in a posture to receive what the Holy Spirit has for us. Father, we thank you for what you've already been doing this morning. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to worship you and to enjoy your presence and to be challenged, to be convicted by you, to be loved and be reminded how much we are loved by you. And we thank you that you are here already. So we acknowledge that. And Father, our ears are open to what you want to say, what you want to say through me today, Father. Our ears are open and attentive and our heart is ready to receive what you have for us. We push aside the distractions. And we just embrace grace to receive your message for us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so two things that I want to, um, two points I'm hoping to get across. Number one is the gift of praying in tongues is available for every believer. For every believer. And number two, it is something that will greatly benefit you. Okay, so hopefully by the time I'm, I'm done... The next 30 minutes, you'll realize that this is for every believer and it is something that will greatly benefit you. And I felt like as I was um, getting ready for work a few days ago, I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke this to me and I just wanted to share it with you. And he told me, he says, your level of use of this gift reveals your level of belief in this gift. Your level of use of this gift reveals your level of belief in this gift. A lot of people have 
received their prayer language maybe many years ago, and many of us haven't used it since then. Or a number of us may have our prayer language, and the only time we use it is at church, at a prayer meeting, or if we're about to pray for somebody. And those are good times to use it, but those are not the only times to use it. And I think the reason why we don't use it more is because we really, really, really don't believe it makes a difference. Because if we really believed it made a powerful difference, and I believe we would pray in tongues more than we are. And so hopefully you'll be encouraged and motivated more so uh, by the end of the day. Uh, I want to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm going to be reading out the New King James Version. And I want to start with verse 28. 28 through 30. It says, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. You are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles and gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. And then he goes on to say, Are all apostles, are all prophets, Are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? Now, the way those questions are being asked, the obvious answer is no. The obvious answer is no. Are all apostles? No. Are all the prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Workers of miracles, gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No, 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 no. But here's the deal. If we do not understand the context of this passage, then we can easily come to the wrong conclusion. If we don't understand the context of this passage, then we can easily come to the wrong conclusion, namely that the gift of tongues is not for every believer. Because we just said, it just says, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all have the gift of healing, do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. And so see right there, tongues is not for everybody. And that's probably, I don't know if there's any other scriptures, but that's probably the main scripture, if not the only scripture, where people who don't believe tongues is either for today or at least they don't believe it's for every believer. They use that, that passage right there. And again, if we don't understand the context of this passage, then we can easily come to the, to the wrong conclusion. Now, through the uh, first Corinthians, the book of Corinthians, Paul is dealing with a lot of junk that's going on in the church in Corinth. They're um, very immature believers. He's, he's getting on to them. And he says, you know, by now you should be receiving meat, but you're, I'm still having to give you milk because you're still very carnal. You're, you're gossiping. You're fighting. You're, you're jealous of one another. And, and you're treating each other very poorly. And in, in 1 Corinthians 11, the, the chapter that we talk about uh, communion, we see how poorly they were treating each other how they were neglecting one another. And that's why the, the love chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he says, I show you a better way, and it's the, it's the love chapter. This is how we're supposed to treat each other, through love. We're supposed to treat each other through love. So in these chapters, Paul is dealing with what's going on in the church, and he's trying to bring some correction to the, to the church there in Corinth. And so you have to look at the context in, in, in um, actually, let me turn to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. 
You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. And actually, I'm going to go ahead and summarize. He's explained to them about spiritual gifts so that they understand. And then he goes on to talk about and give the analogy of how the body of Christ, the church, is one body but many members. And every member is important. Every member has a place. Every member has a function. And then he goes on and talks about how God has gifted all the members of the church. And they all have different functions, different giftings, and, um, but they're all important. And he goes and he talks about all this, trying to help them to realize that every single one of us, every single one of you are important. And let's go to chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. In verse 1 it says, Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets, so that the church may receive edifying. Now here again, we have to see what the context is. He's talking about the church. Because a lot of people come away with the, with the idea that when it, between tongues and between prophesying, prophesying is the better gift and tongues is the least gift. So why not even just leave out or forget the gift of tongues and let's focus on the gift of prophecy. But again, it's the context with which he's, he's bringing this message. And going back to chapter 12, a point I wanted to make earlier. When we, when we interpret scripture, we have to interpret in, we can't just look at a passage and come to conclusions based on just that passage. We have to interpret it in light of the totality of scripture. Otherwise, that's how you can come up with some weird beliefs if you just look at one scripture or one verse or one phrase or whatever, and you can come up with some crazy stuff. And so you have to interpret it in light of other passages. Give you an example, when it says, in uh, verse 28 through 30, it says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of, of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? And the answer is no. But again, we have to look at the context. Because if we look at right there where it says, do all work miracles? Do all have the gift of healing? What Jesus said, these signs will follow those that believe. And one of those signs is you will heal the sick, Right? Another sign is you'll cast out devils. Another one is you'll pray, you'll speak in new tongues. Jesus also said in John chapter 14, 12, he says, whoever believes in me, the miracles or works that I do shall you do also. The miracles or works, he says works, but it's also the same word for miracles. The miracles that I do shall you do also. And greater miracles, greater works shall you do because I go to the Father. So right there we see that in that context, whoever believes in Jesus is called and has the ability through the Holy Spirit to do the very things that he did. But if we go back in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and look at that and it says, do all work miracles? No. Well, see right there, all of us don't work miracles. But Jesus said, whoever believes in me will do miracles. 
Jesus said, these signs shall follow those that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick, and the sick shall cover. But right here it says, do all have the gifts of healing? And the answer is no. So obviously it's the context with which he's talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Am I making any sense? It's the context. So in this context, so we have to see, what is he talking about? Well, I believe there are, I kind of made this up, there are B gifts and do gifts. The B gifts are like there's apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, you know, um, there's gifts that God gave to the church, people he gave to the church. Um, because in Ephesians chapter 4, 12, 11, 12, it says, He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipment of the saints for the work of the service. So Jesus gave these gifts to the church for the specific purpose of building up the saints. The fivefold ministry is, is for the building up of the saints. Okay? Those are the be gifts. That's who they be. If that makes any sense. That's who they are. And then, and then there's the do gifts. There's the, the miracles, the healings, the, the tongues, interpretation of tongues, and, and all those other gifts that he talks about. And he kind of gives her a mixture of some, but he doesn't, in this passage, he doesn't give them all because he's trying to make, he's giving someone as, as an example. But the point is, is right here where he's saying, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have the gift of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? No, 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 no. And again, he's talking about in the context of the church, everything he's talking about in these chapters, uh, particularly 12 and 14, in the context of the church, not everybody is going to heal. Not everybody's going to do miracles. Not everybody is going to speak in tongues with and interpret tongues. Are you still with me? And we have to make, understand and make that distinction because outside the church, see in the church, for example, church service, in a minute we'll get back to 1 Corinthians 14. He's talking specifically in their church services because he's talking about how out of order they were. How many people must have been just praying in tongues really loud. Um, it just must have been just wild and crazy. So he was trying to bring order so that their services could be edifying, so that the saints could be built up and encouraged. And so then they can go out into the world and do what Jesus called them to do. So in this church service right here, we would not have time for everybody to prophesy. Well, we could, but it'd, be, it'd take a long time, right? We'd be here for a few hours. We don't have time for everybody to bring uh, a message in tongues and for it to be interpreted. Everybody's not going to do everything. But you notice how we will have, like, ministry teams. Okay, if you want ministry, come up and let the teams pray for you. That doesn't mean that the, the team that comes up here are the only ones who are anointed to heal the sick. But they've been designated in the church service for that function. Are you with me still? But out there, every single one of us who are born again have the power to lay hands on the sick and the sick recover. Are you hearing me? Every single one of us who are born again, Jesus says, these signs shall follow you. You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So I hope I made that a little bit clear, and I, I know it's a, it can be a very complicated thing. So I'm trying to give you the Cliff Notes version uh, so we can move on. Okay, let's go back to chapter 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 
And one thing I want to say is I believe, here's a belief I have, and I believe Scripture points it out. There are two manifestations of the gift of tongues, and I think that's where we can get confused too. I'm going to explain that. Right here in um, verse 2, it says, For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. So right here he's saying, he who speaks in a tongue speaks to God, not to man. No one understands. He's speaking mysteries. So there's a tongue, which I believe is a prayer language, where nobody understands except God. But then there's also a tongue, because we see when the Holy Spirit first fell on the, on the uh, church, they were praying in tongues, and people were hearing them speak in their language. So there's a supernatural language where you can be speaking in tongues and somebody who sp- happens to speak that language hears and recognizes, wait a minute, he's speaking Swahili or he's speaking Romanian or he's speaking German. I understand that. That's one manifestation. And then there's also a prayer language that nobody understands except God. Does that make sense? I'm not saying you have to buy into that yet, but I just want to throw that out there. I believe that's, that's the case too. All right, so verse 2, for no one speaks in a tongue, for one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. Now, I wish that you all spoke in tongues. Paul says, now I wish that you all spoke in tongues. But even more that you would prophesy, the greater is one, the greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets, so that the church may receive edifying. Remember the context. When he's saying, it's better for you to prophesy than to speak in tongues in the church. In the church. In the church. And he explains, verse 6, But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what will it profit you unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or of knowledge or of prophecy or of teaching? Yet even lifeless things, even flute or harp and producing a sound, if they do not produce a distinction in the tones, how will it be known what is played on the flute or the harp? For if the bugle produces an indistinct sound, who will prepare himself for battle? So also you, unless you utter by the tongue speech that is clear, how will it be known what is spoken? So he's explaining the purpose and the reason why people need to understand what you're saying. Okay? For you will be speaking to the air. There are perhaps a great many kinds of languages in the world. Okay, let me go on down to verse 12. So also you, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of of the church. Now remember, he's talking to a group of people who has been all about themselves. They've been very selfish, self-centered, backbiting, gossiping, slandering, jealous, fighting, bickering, and doing all these things to each other. And so he's trying to bring order, saying, guys, your goal and your desire, you need to love one another. And when you're in your services, you need to minister and bless each other. It can't be just about you. It's got to be about one another. In the context of the church service. Okay, keep that in mind. Uh, Verse 13. Therefore, let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the spirit and also pray with the mind. 
I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the mind also. Let's see. Verse 18. I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. Paul just said this. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. However, in the church. But backing up, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. And and I heard someone say that more than you all literally means more than you all put together. I think there's a wonderful clue right here. Paul, the man who was taken to the third heaven by the Father and saw such revelation, and saw, he saw things and gained such revelation that he wasn't even allowed to speak about it. Remember that, Paul? Remember that guy? Remember that happening? So he saw some crazy things. I mean, he wrote most of the New Testament, had crazy revelation. I mean, not crazy revelation, but a crazy amount of revelation of heaven and the Father and his kingdom. And he says this statement, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than you all. However, in the church, I would rather speak just a few words in tongues, but speak, or excuse me, speak a few words in English, or not English, they didn't speak English back there. Speak a few words where you can understand me versus a thousand, ten thousand words in tongues. So here's the point I'm trying to make. When people say, well, tongues is not that important. It's not an important gift. Right here, Paul is not saying that tongues is not important. But in the context of the church service, we want to do things that's going to benefit all the people. However, tongues is a very beneficial gift. So much so, Paul says, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than all of you put together. For him to boast that, because he doesn't know how much they're praying in tongues, right? But for him to make that boast, I'd be willing to bet he prayed in tongues a lot. I mean, isn't that, can you make that logical, that conclusion? And for him to do that, now we know Paul was a very passionate man. If there was anybody that loved Jesus, it was Paul. If there was anyone who was passionate about the kingdom and passionate about seeing people come into the kingdom, it was Paul. He was the man at one point said, if I could be cut off, in other words, separated from God so that my brothers, my Hebrew brothers could be saved, so be it. He was that much in love with Jesus and that much in love with people. And this same man said, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than you all. I believe he knew something about the power and the benefits of of praying in tongues. You with me still? So I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. Verse 18, verse 19. However, in the church, I desire to speak five words with my mind so that I may instruct others also rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. Verse 23, therefore, if the whole church assembles together and all speak in tongues and ungifted men or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are mad? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or ungifted man enters, he is convicted by all. He is called into account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so he will fall on his face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. What is the outcome then, brethren? When you assemble. When you assemble, again, in the church service, when you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. 
Each one of you have. Some of you have this. Some of you have that. Some of you have a tongue. Some of you have interpretation. Remember in verse in chapter 12, does everyone speak in tongues? Does everyone have an interpretation? No. In the context of the church service. In the context of the church service, everybody is not going to be speaking in the kind of tongue where it's going to be interpreted. Are you hearing me? You still with me? my place. Let all things be done for edification. Verse 27. If anyone speaks in a tongue, it should be by two or at the most three and each in turn and one must interpret. Two or three and one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, he must keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. So if there's no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others pass judgment. But if a revelation is made to another who is seated, the first one must keep silent. For you, for you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all may be exhorted. And the spirits of prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of confusion but of peace as in all the church, churches of the saints. So the point I wanted to make is to help you see that first of all, Paul was talking a specific context when he was saying, do all prophesy, or excuse me, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? And the answer was no. He's talking about in the context of the church. And then uh, Paul said, I desire that you all, I wish you all spoke in tongues. Remember he said that. And then he said, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than you all. So the point is, is I want you to see that this is a gift for every believer. It's available for every believer. It's a gift for every believer. Now I want to switch over and talk about the benefits real quick. The benefits of speaking in tongues. So if it's a gift for me, then what's the big deal? Why should I even care? The first benefit in Jude... uh, Verse 20 and 21, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So praying in tongues helps build up your faith, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, and also keeping yourself in the love of God. So I believe that praying in tongues builds your faith, and it keeps you in the love of God. The Bible says that faith works by love. I believe it's in Galatians or Colossians, one of those. Faith works by love. So we want our faith built up and we want our love built up so we can bless people, so we can be a benefit to people. So number one thing is, is you build your faith up and you're building your love up. Number two, Holy Spirit prays through you and helps us to pray the will of God. Romans 8, 26 and 27, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered, which he now, now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. How many times have you been in a situation you just didn't know how to pray? You didn't know how to pray. You, you just didn't know what to pray. Or sometimes you've been so distraught, you didn't know what to ask God. You didn't know how to ask for help. The words, you could not come up with the words. Well, when we pray in the Holy Spirit, when we pray in tongues, I believe, it's showing right here, that we're allowing the Holy Spirit to pray through us. And we're praying the perfect will of the Father. 
And remember in 1 Corinthians 14, it says that he who speaks in the tongues is not speaking to man, but speaks to God. And he's speaking mysteries to the Father. So if you want to be able to pray the perfect will of the Father, uh, praying in tongues helps you. It also enables us to pray continuously. Ephesians 6, 18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. You know, probably after about 15, 20 minutes, you run out of English words, right? You're praying. Let's say you're going to do an hour prayer. Maybe after the first 15 or 20 minutes, what do you pray next? It's like, um, you start the list over again. But a lot of times we run out of things. But when you're praying in the Spirit, you can go on and on and on and on and on. How many of you have heard testimonies of people who have, um, maybe they were woken up in the middle of the night, or all of a sudden they just had this, this burden to pray, and they didn't know what to pray. They just started praying in tongues. Started praying in tongues, and maybe they got the um, picture of a person or a friend. An image came to their mind, and they started praying for that person. They didn't know how to pray. They just prayed in tongues. And then they find out later whether they get a phone call or an email or something. And they found out that the same time that that person woke up and started praying for that person, they found out that person was in in great danger or going through a a tremendous trial. Anybody ever heard about that or maybe that's happened to you? So I believe when, if we're not able to pray in the spirit, then we're going to be limited. That doesn't mean we can't pray, but it's just a benefit. That the Holy Spirit is able to use us to pray. And he says, okay, you don't know what's going on. Instead of me spending time trying to enlighten you on what's going on, how about you just let me pray through you right now? You start praying in tongues and you allow the Holy Spirit to begin to pray through you. Has anybody ever had the experience where you're praying and, and let's say your tongue that you pray in mostly is a certain way. Okay, 95% of the time you pray and it sounds pretty much the same. And all of a sudden you're praying and then it begins to change and it sounds like something different. And then you feel this intensity, and you're praying and praying, and it's just, you just feel aggressive, and you're just praying. You have no clue what's going on, but you just keep praying. Anybody ever have that happen before? I believe what's happening, my theory is, is let's say you're you're praying, and all of a sudden your, your language changes dialect, that you're praying for somebody in that native tongue or in a situation who belongs to that language. Does that make sense? One time I was about to walk out this door outside, and I felt like the Holy Spirit told me something. It was kind of in a split second, and I don't even know if I was thinking about this, but he just dropped something on me, and I thought it was pretty cool, and it made sense to me. Because, you know, to answer the question, let's say you have, um, many of us are the benefiter, benefiters? No, what's the word? Thank you, that. The beneficiaries of people, grandparents, parents who love Jesus, and they prayed us into the kingdom. Right? You, they prayed, and you got saved on their prayers. What about a person who lives in the middle of the Middle East, and all for, for generation after generation, his, his ancestors are Muslim? None of them know Jesus. None of them have a desire for Jesus. They just, they're, you know, Muslim. And you have little Muhammad there. What about his salvation? Who's, who's going to pray for him? Right? And, and especially if no Christians even know that person. And the Bible says God desires for all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge. But it's like, what about little Muhammad over there who nobody knows him, who's a Christian? And as I was walking out the door, I pushed on the door, and all of a sudden I just had this flash of a thought. 
and I believe the Holy Spirit told me this. I can't prove it. I just believe it. That he showed me that when we surrender and just allow him, we pray in tongues, that some of the times we are praying for people that we know not of. People that need to be saved, people who are in danger, people who are in trouble, because we're allowing the Holy Spirit to pray through us God's perfect will. And so especially if your tongue changes, it might be because you're praying for someone in a nation whose language sounds like what you're praying. I remember uh, a time when, when my language would change, it would be the certain dialect, and I didn't know what it was. And I remember I was at the airport one time, and there was this family walking by, and they were talking in a, in a particular language, which I still don't know what it was. And I, my ears, I mean, it, it jolted me because they were talking in the language that I was praying in. I'm like, that sounds just like what I pray or how I pray. And if I would have thought of it now, I would go up and ask them, find out where they're from and that kind of thing. And I remember one time it was cool. I don't know if Dale, if you were with us, Dale, I can't remember who I was with, but we were in this room over here and I believe it was Daniel Caroma and I believe John Mackley. And we were praying for Daniel because he was making a choice. Daniel was, um, um, he was a pastor. He and his wife were pastors in Romania for many, many years. And I think he was transitioning to see if he's supposed to come back or what the father had him doing. And so we were praying for him in that room. It used to be a prayer room. And um, if it was John, I think it was John Mack. I can't remember who it was. Probably John. But he was, we were praying. And after we finished, Daniel looked at John and said, now Daniel spoke fluent. He's Romanian. So he speaks fluent Romanian. He said, do you realize you were, you were praying in Romanian? He says, I was what? said, you were, you were praying in Romania. He said, I was? He said, yeah. He says, what, were, what was I saying? And he was saying, do you, does that sound familiar? Do you remember that, Dale? Because I can't remember if it was you or who else. You don't remember? Okay. Um, but he said, you were praying the things that, that he was, um, his prayer request was wisdom from God, what he should be doing as far as the transition, coming back to the States or whatever. And John was praying that thing to him. In his language. And John didn't even know he was praying in Romanian. But because Daniel understood. And so there was a manifestation of a miracle right there. And here's one uh, last thing I want to share with you. A benefit of praying in tongues. It says, he who prays in tongues, speaks in tongues, edifies himself. Right? He who speaks in tongues edifies himself. And see, and people say, well, see, that's why we shouldn't be praying in tongues. We should be prophesying because it's not about me. It's about, not about myself. But let me ask you this question. If you desire to be a benefit to bless other people, does it make sense that maybe you need to be built up first? I mean, is that, you think that might make sense? Do you think God, because he wants you to bless other people and, 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 powerfully impact their lives, that he would want to first powerfully impact your life so that you can do that for other people. So he who prays in tongues edifies himself. Edifies. That word edifies means to build up. To build yourself up. Like you're building a superstructure or a house. I believe it means you're building a structure to contain the kingdom of heaven or more of his presence inside of your life. So when I pray in tongues, I'm building myself up emotionally, spiritually. 
But I wonder if, um, if praying in tongues has any kind of physical benefits. You know, I, I'm becoming suspicious that when God tells us to do something, he, he encourages us to do something, that there's not just a spiritual benefit to it, but there's a practical, physical benefit to it as well. Anybody ever think stuff like that? Maybe I'm the only suspicious person. But I want to read an a article out of, a, it's called Health Benefits of Speaking in Tongues. And this is by a man who's a Dr. Carl Peterson, MD. And he conducted a study at ORU in Tulsa. Uh, being a brain specialist, he was doing research on the relationship between the brain and praying or speaking in tongues. He found that as we pray in the spirit, the brain releases two chemical secretions that are directed into our immune system, giving a 35 to 40% boost to the immune system. Did you hear that? 35 to 40%. When he learned that when you pray in tongues, your brain releases two chemical secretions that boost your immune system 35 to 40%. He who prays in tongues builds himself up. This promotes healing within our bodies. Amazingly, this secretion, now check this out. Amazingly, this secretion is triggered from a part of the brain that has no other apparent activity in humans and is only activated by our spirit-led prayer and worship. Only activated by praying in tongues. Here's another part of this. Uh, The data in this study suggests that uh, speaking in tongues is associated with a reduction in stress in response to normal stressors and significantly associated with positive mood and calmness. Obviously, the reduction of stress is extremely helpful to one's immune system and entire health. Stress damages the body. Peace heals it. So not only are secretions released that boost your immune system, but stress is reduced in your life, simply from praying in tongues. Simply from praying in tongues. I want to uh, share a video. You have that video? You guys have that video? I'm going to share about four and a half minutes of this video. This is done by Nightline. I believe it's ABC or whatever news, uh, ABC News does. Um, yeah, that. And so this is a secular news source that's doing this study. And this is a this is Dr. So-and-so from wherever, and he's going to explain a little bit. But I just want you to hear what he has to say about this whole thing about praying in tongues. All right, go ahead and start it. It's almost all in yellows and red here. At the University uh, of Pennsylvania, Dr. Andrew Newberg is looking for an explanation the, uh, for what most regard as unexplainable. Right I mean, it's not language. It's not regular language, at least, that would normally activate the frontal lobe. Newberg is exploring the relationship between faith and science studying what happens in the brain during the deepest moments of faith. We're really going to look at this very, very powerful force in human history of religion and spirituality. I think we really have to take a look at how that affects our brain, what's changing or turning on or turning off in our brain. They're going to go around very fast right now. He's recently published a study of Americans speaking in tongues. Remarkably, he discovered that what's happening to them neurologically looks a lot like what they say is happening to them spiritually. Make sure we got your whole head in there. We asked Pastor Jerry Stoltzfus to come to the university to have his brain scanned while he speaks in tongues. This way, we could see the experiment in action. I don't think faith is anything to be afraid of from science. 
Science validates faith, so bring it on. Whatever the facts are, bring it on. Just go ahead and, and you can begin prayer. And First, he's told to pray in English. Father, I pray for each of the family members involved in this study. Grant them what they are looking for in their personal lives, for, for their vision and their potential. Then he's told to speak in tongues. This is the first scan when he was in prayer, speaking in English. This is the second scan when he is praying in tongues. Pastor Stoltzfus's scans show that his frontal lobe, the part of the brain that controls language, was active when he prayed in English, but for the most part, it fell quiet when he prayed in tongues. When they're actually engaged in this whole very intense spiritual practice, religious practice for them, their frontal lobes tend to go down in activity, but I think it's very consistent with the kind of experience that they have because they say that they're not in charge. They're, it's the voice of God, it's the spirit of God that's moving through them. Dr. Newberg says the results were even more dramatic on subjects who were scanned without a nightline crew in the room and who were not speaking in tongues on demand, as Jerry Stoltzfus had done. Study participants like Donna Morgan first listened to music, then went to where the spirit took them. When I heard about the study, I already knew within my spirit that it was going to be proven that there's a part of our brain that we have no control, that when the Holy Ghost is interceding for us, we're out of control. In earlier studies, Dr. Newberg looked at what happens in the brains of Buddhist monks meditating and Franciscan nuns praying. And it was noticeably different from what happens to tongue speakers. That's in fairly stark contrast to the people who are like the Buddhists and the Franciscan nuns who are in prayer because they are very intensely focused. And in those individuals, the frontal lobes actually increased activity. But Dr. Newberg isn't out to prove or disprove anything. He can tell you what happens in the brain, not why. Were you skeptical going into the studies? If by skeptical, the question is, is this a real phenomenon, meaning that this is truly the voice of God speaking through them, that's a much more problematic question, I think, and something that I'm not sure that we've specifically answered simply by doing our study. But for those who believe, it doesn't matter if science can find the footprints of the Holy Spirit in their 21st century brain scans. When you've experienced this, you don't really care what anybody else thinks. It's personal for, in the first place. It is something between you and God. So we don't really care if it's validated or not, but it's fascinating when it is so that people that have thought we're crazy can have something to look at to say, maybe we're not, we're still crazy. We're just not as crazy as they thought. Thank you so much. This is Vicki Mabry for Nightline in Philadelphia. Fascinating. Um, and not that we need science to validate or prove whether speaking in tongues is legit or not. I just find it fascinating that it, it seems to do that. 
And which brings me back to the first, back to the very beginning, that God wants this for all his kids. It's like, why would, you know, when people say, well, I believe that tongues is still for today, but I don't believe it's for every believer. It's like, why would not God want all of his sons and daughters to have the ability to build themselves up in a powerful way, in a supernatural way? You know, when God gives his gifts, he just gives his gifts and he expects us like little children to receive them. Jesus says, you only receive the kingdom of heaven when you come like a child. But what happens is we get too sophisticated for our own good. And especially it's very difficult when we live in a community like ours, which is a very educational base community, Oklahoma State University. We can become so sophisticated and things like this, which seem foolish. Now, if I would have thought, if I was God and I would have thought of giving you a powerful gift, I would have thought of something more cool. But the Bible says that sometimes God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. He uses the strong, or excuse me, the weak things to confound the strong. And singing and praying in tongues are very powerful things that God has given us and encourages us to do. But sometimes our pride can get in the way. Our pride can get in the way. And so I want to encourage you with this. Let's just put aside all the stuff that we've received from people and man and all that kind of stuff. And let's just go back to the word and say, God, I want what you have for me. I want what you have for me because we know that what the father has is going to be really good. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand up with me and I'm going to invite the the ministry team to come on up. And again, if after what I shared today elicited more questions than it gave answers, if you would like to sit down and talk with me or Pastor Dale sometime, we would love to have a conversation with you if we can be of help in that way. But what I'd like to do right now is just uh, invite you, if you have not ever received your prayer language, but you would like to, I'm going to invite you in a moment when we dismiss to come on up and let these these precious ones, pray for you so you can receive the gift that the Father wants to give you, okay? So it's not anything you have to try to talk God into or, or, or whatever. He wants to give this to you. And maybe a long time ago, you've received your prayer language, but you kind of got stopped up or whatever, and, and for whatever reason, you're not doing that anymore, and you want to be freed up again, I would invite you to come on up so we could pray for you as well. Okay, so come on up and get the goods. These goods right here are going to be better than the goods we're about to eat in a few moments. I guarantee it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you're so wonderful. You're so good. And you have good gifts for your children. And it just makes sense, Father, that you'd want to give us something that's going to enable us to build ourselves up. So that we can become full of hope, the hope that you give us. We can become full of encouragement and faith and love so we can go and dispense that on people around us. And so, Lord, I just, I just pray again, speak against the confusion, against any religious tradition, against whatever that would hinder anyone from wanting to receive from you. And we just thank you, Father, for your goodness. We thank you that we're going to get it because you want us to have it. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
And the food that we're going to eat back there, it is blessed in Jesus' name too. Okay, I forgot to pray for it, but we just blessed it. So you are dismissed to, uh, you're dismissed. If you want to come up and receive prayer, to receive the baptism, we just want to invite you to come on up. Come on up and get the goods. Amen. Or refilling. Thank you.